Welcome to The Table. Welcome to The Table is a podcast put out by the good people of Pulpit Rock Church in Colorado Springs. It's a time for us to have conversations about topics and with people that we enjoy. Today, we are continuing in our season on parenting. My name is Thomas Thompson, and I'm excited to introduce uh, a guest here, a couple guests. First of all, we have Susie Bates. Hi, Susie. Hey, Thomas. How's it going? Good. Susie is the Generations Pastor at Pulpit Rock, and so she has a lot of experience in interacting with parents and kids and has a couple kids her own. Yep. And uh, Susie, why don't you introduce our guest and our topic today? Yes, I am so excited to have a good friend of mine with us today, Emily Thacker. Welcome, How's it Emily. going? It's Thank you good. so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's, it's going really well. We're excited to have you here today. We've talked about some heavier topics on this season of Welcome to the Table, and I'm excited about today's topic. It's a little bit lighter and filled with some fun. First, I wanted to ask you um, about your brand. That is really the reason that I reached out to you. Um, What's that called? Yeah, so I just recently launched a brand um, just in August, and it's called These Kids Are Wild. I love that. These kids are wild. (laughs) Yep. And it's just like what it sounds like. So basically, it's a brand that advocates for kids to have regular, unstructured time in nature. So we're a brand, so we might do stuff in the future. But right now, our method of kind of spreading those values is through T-shirts. So we have shirts for kids, shirts for adults. And what we try to do is we try to use these shirts um, to reflect your outdoor lifestyle. Um, They can be a catalyst for talking about nature with other families who you might encounter outside or just in regular life. And then we also like to use them to affirm kids' capabilities since we kind of have a tendency in today's age to kind of not think that they can do what they can actually do. They're a lot more capable than we assume. So it kind of advocates for that and reminds us of that. That's awesome. I've seen the shirts. They're really, they're really cool and they're super cute on your kids, Thank by you. the way. Well, and I'm really excited to get into this topic with you today because in this season on parenting, we're trying to tackle parenting from some different um, angles and stuff. But you may not know this, Emily, but when we were coming up with the concept for this podcast and we're talking about what would topics be and one of the topics was parenting, oh, that'd be a great parent, uh, topic. So Jonathan, who is at our church, was like, okay, but here's the only thing, only rule I have. You've got to have Emily. <laughs> so we've been talking about having you on for a long time. That's true. There's just I uh, uh, now I'm going to give you a chance to maybe talk about your family. Uh, I know that, that as I've talked with friends that know you and Nick, we've talked often about how you are a great mom and you have some interesting models of parenting that we are like, gosh, that's, that's some really fun stuff to do with kids and good ways to lead. So I'm excited to hear a little bit more today from you. Awesome. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. And I think it goes right along with um, kind of the common theme that um, exists in all of these episodes is I, I just want to encourage parents to fight for their kid's heart, not their kid's behavior. Um, and we usually talk about that a little more like serious scenarios or topics. And I'm, I'm excited to have kind of a more lighthearted and fun topic today. But I think that what you're doing with your girls and your brand, These Kids Are Wild, is absolutely a, an incredible example of fighting for your kid's heart and not their behavior. So we'll definitely dive into that a little bit more. But um, tell us, maybe tell us a little bit more about These Kids Are Wild, like the heart of it, the... I don't know, like just uh, elaborate on that for us. Yeah. So the reason that we believe, the reason why we think nature is so important. So everything is based in this idea of regular unstructured time in nature. And the reason why that's so important kind of at the heart of our message is because that is really the ideal environment for kids to develop physically, 
emotionally, socially, and then even as adults, I think we experience this, but spiritually, the outside, you know, closer to God has been a very strong place to connect with God. Mm -hmm. So setting these foundations early of time in nature really sets them up for all those different um, spaces of health as they mature. Um, Lots of times as parents, we kind of have this idea that we shape our kids or that um, teach that learning is a product of teaching when really our kids were designed in a way to learn. And when they're young kids, you know, we trust them to learn. They learn how to sit up. They learn how to walk. They learn how to talk. We don't have all these ways to teach them those things. We innately know that they know how to learn. And it seems like as kids get older, we start to think that it's our job or a teacher's job to do this teaching or else it won't happen. So when kids are out in nature, it's almost a reminder of that more kind of primitive way of trusting our kids that they are capable of um, doing their own learning and kind of setting what they need to do. And so nature is just, it's a good reminder for us. And when we're in that, I feel like we kind of let our kids have a little bit more freedom. If we're comfortable in nature, it's a little hard. You know, if we didn't spend a lot of time in nature, it can be a little overwhelming. Right. Um, But it's the ideal environment, you know, when you think about how nature is set up. If sometimes I like to think about like playgrounds. So people are like, oh, well, we go outside and go on playgrounds um, versus going outside in a forest. So of course, anytime outside is wonderful, but we really advocate for that kind of natural in a forest or in a natural space by a creek at the beach, um, somewhere where there's um, a lot of loose parts. And we define loose parts as things that don't have one way, like one use. Like when you look at a swing, kids use it a million different ways, right? Yeah. But I bet if you read the playground instructions, you put your bottom on the seat, yeah. two hands, don't take that hand off, and you swing not too high, and don't you dare jump, right? right. So there's a certain way they're supposed to use it. But in nature, there is no rules. Um, so if we truly believe that kids set their own learning and that they kind of intrinsically know, um, because they were designed that way, how they're supposed Mm. to grow. Nature allows that. Um, And so that's why on playgrounds you see, so again, playgrounds versus nature. On playgrounds, you might see um, kids starting to get bored with the equipment. So you start to see kids, you know, climbing on the outside of the slide, walking across the top of the monkey bars. Right. So kids seek the edge of their abilities. And when they do that in a kind of a man-made space or a space where it's intended to be used one way, you see more injuries too. Mm. So in nature, there's not one way to use things. So if they're looking for their body needs to test their limits on climbing to become stronger, um, to work on their senses, then there's a tree for them in there somewhere. If they look hard enough, they're looking at a playground. They might say, well, I guess I'm going to go do that really risky thing, climb on the edge of that slide that's slick and doesn't have good grips. Um, But the way trees are made, you know, there's bark, there's edges, there's different grooves to hold on to. So nature just has this variety and it's just kind of this canvas where kids can come as they are, whoever they are, whether they're a kid that has disabilities potentially or um, another child, they just come as they are and there's a place for them there Um, and they could just be who they are. So. I love that. So we had four kids and I remember, you know, it's kind of the thing with the first kid, you drop their pacifier on the floor and you have to buy a new pacifier. And the second kid, you're kind of like, well, let me go run it through the dishwasher. By the fourth kid, you just pick it up, blow on it. Maybe like it yourself. (laughs) Yeah. You get more chill about some of that, you know, but but I want to, what I'm interested in is when when we have young kids, one of our thoughts is don't touch that. Don't climb Mm. too high. Oh, that's dirty. Oh, I don't want you to get in that. How, how did you? It, it sounds like you kind of started with this. It's not like yeah. your your kids are all grown and these are lessons you learned years ago. Like this is something you kind of began to experiment with when your kids were young, right? Yeah. How did where did that come from? Definitely, that is such a good question. So I grew up in nature a lot myself as a kid. Um, my mom has always been deeply connected to nature. We had a big garden I grew up in. We went to the beach every summer for months at a time. 
where I just had a lot of space to do these things myself. And then I also got a degree in education. So I kind of got the background of early childhood development. So all those things kind of pieced together. And then this movement actually started not that long ago. And I read Richard Louv's Last Child in the Woods. And that was, and then working at Cheyenne Mountain Zoo, I was an educator. And that was really a catalyst for all this learning that's come in the past. I think it's been seven years. And that's when you feel like you're getting old when you start counting the years <laughs> since you started something you're passionate about. Um, but yeah, and so I just, when I had my kids, I had already been on a few years on this track of kind of knowing and then having my own kids and being having to try it out. Um, it just made sense. And then along the way, you pick up things. Like something I've learned, which has helped, is being able to identify risks versus hazards. So a risk mm. is something that kids can kind of look, evaluate, and judge themselves. Um, when a hazard is something that they can't, just by looking at, understand. So a good example of this is like the beach. So you go to the beach and there's a wave break. And as an adult or if someone who's been to the beach a long time, you kind of know how to read the ocean. So you know how it flows. You know about undercurrents. You know about these things. But those are kind of learned things. Um, a young child walking up to a wave break, that might be a hazard because they can't maybe see how it feels when a wave pulls you back if they didn't grow up at the ocean. Um, but then you talk about maybe a kid from Hawaii who's been there their whole lives. That might not be a hazard if they totally understand yeah. the ocean and has taken it you know, as they're a small child. So risk and hazards can depend on the kid. Um, but a lot of the time, parents don't need to step in on those risks. So a good example of a risk is maybe a child running down a hill. If it's the first time that child's ran down the hill, maybe they don't know that you pick up speed as you run down the hill. Um, but is that going to be a major thing? Say it's a big grassy hill. The worst that's going to happen is they're going to fall, right? Maybe they'll yeah. tumble a little bit. Maybe they'll look at you like, oh, what just happened, you know? Um, but that's a risk. And that's something that if you allow them to experience that, whether they fall or not, they learn. You give them the time to have that critical thinking, that critical evaluation of how their body moved, what it felt like. Um, they build strength and resilience that way, too. Otherwise, if we're always just telling them, don't run down that hill, even if we explain why, that's not coming from them. That's not the deep, real learning that they can take with them. And then even allowing your child to do that is allowing them the space to learn and trust themselves in their learning, trusting yeah. them to take risks and trusting them to be able to handle those risks that they take that's is really right. important and really builds that resilience and independence that we want our kids to have as they grow. That's important, uh, the difference between a risk and hazard. That's good. I've never thought about that before. I would love to, to circle back to the risk, especially in light of kind of the different ways that we as parents, as a culture, uh, approach risk depending on the sex of our kids. Um, so Emily, tell us uh, about your two kids. Yeah, tell definitely. Us. So I have two girls. Uh, they're 14 months apart. So my oldest is four and my youngest is three. So they're very close in age, but yeah, two girls. And they're still so little and just the cutest things ever. I also have two daughters. Mine are a bit older, 15 and 10. Thomas, I know you have one daughter, three sons. Yeah. Emily, you and I have talked before about the different ways that parents approach parenting, whether they have a little girl or a little boy. And what I think is so powerful about this movement, this brand, that these kids are wild, is the way I see you letting even your little three and four-year-old girls take risks. Um, I want to read a quote here from the Journal of Pediatric Psychology. Uh, they did a study that showed parents are four times as likely to tell girls than boys to be careful. Girls are warned away from activities that hint of risk. Parents are more likely to assist their sons to face their fears with instructions on how to complete the task on their own. And I thought of that when you were talking about the kid running down the hill. 
I think that the typical reaction of a parent if, is if that's a little girl, it's like, be careful. Like, we don't want you to get hurt and fall down and cry and or get dirty. But truly, I think that for the most part, if it's a little boy, it, it's just accepted. Well, that's what boys do. They're going to run and fall and they're going to be okay. And just how detrimental that can be to our young girls to not let them also have that experience of taking those healthy risks like you talk about. Definitely. Yeah. And I just, I see that with your girls um, in, in all your posts that I follow on Instagram at These Kids Are Wild. You should check it out, by the way. Um, I just see you letting your girls truly just run wild. And half the time, most of the time, they're barefoot, which I love. So I don't know if you could elaborate a little bit on how you've seen this empower your girls at such a young age by letting them run around, get covered in mud, be barefoot, be outside. I just, I feel like you're raising girls to be strong and fierce and not afraid. And I just love that. That's the heart I have for my girls as well. So I don't know, how have you seen that positively affect your girls or even you as a mom? Yeah, for sure. I think it's one of my favorite things about it is when I had girls, I knew I, you know, or was on this track to raise them um, wild, if you want to call it that. And I saw, I felt so much power in that, um, even since it was, they were little. And as they're growing and as they're taking more risk, where more people kind of turn their heads and like, is she letting her kids do that? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm seeing some more reactions to that when they're a little bit younger, kids kind of play similarly. But like you said, as they get older, it's more typical to see a boy take a risk. And I think parents of girls sometimes are looked at differently. I've loved it because, yeah, like you said, my girls are often barefoot, um, at least for them. I think in general, kids are safer when they're climbing barefoot. They can really feel the rock. They There's such thing as toe grip, you know, like you can hold on. Um, my girls climb rocks all the time, especially here in Colorado. There's rocks everywhere. So they are just skilled in, at doing that and they can do it fast. So something I've noticed as they're getting older and with them being girls is, like I said, people just kind of starting to turn their heads and saying, is she really letting them do that? Um, And sometimes they ask me and sometimes I see, oh, I think one of the things that's most common is I'll have, I can see that someone's kind of just staring at us. So I'll be, you know, maybe two feet from my daughter. I don't look concerned. I look relaxed. She's on this rock, like literally all fours climbing over it. Not super steep, nothing crazy, at least doesn't look like it to me. Um, but I'll have parents stare at me and then just slowly inch closer and kind of like put their hands up and oh, I'm like, no. hello. <laughs> and, and I've, sometimes they talk to me and sometimes like I've heard them like one, one man like turned to his wife and she's like, she's going to fall. And I was like, oh. well, actually, you know, we do this every day. So sometimes I kind of gauge whether they want to have a conversation about, you know, why I let my kids do this. And sometimes, sometimes I take a little bit more firm stance where I'm like, we do this every day. Like, yeah. basically, like, we're okay. Like, thank you for your concern. But like, and I, I think it's important for our daughters to see us defend their capabilities. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to cater to someone. It's, it's, I love people and I want to educate them on why I'm allowing them to do this. But it won't be to the point where I stop my children from taking healthy risks to make someone comfortable. There's a difference between I'm on my phone at the... I'm looking, I'm not paying attention Mm -hmm. to my kids. I'm not aware that they're doing that. And I I would bet that a lot of parents would see that situation and they would think maybe, maybe this mom's not aware, maybe she's not paying attention, but it's actually the opposite that you're intentionally kind of creating opportunity for them to explore. Would you say explore their capabilities or push the boundaries a little bit? I think that's a great way to say it. intentional about it. Very intentional. Yep. And so, yeah, that could be true. You might, they they might think that I'm being negligent and they need to watch my kids for me and so I, I like when I'm able to catch that and say something because I want my girls to hear that. And I want that person to know, you know, the, my intentions behind doing it too. And it's funny. It starts so young. 
Um, so actually at our forest group during the summer, we meet once a week with other kids in the community and um, we go just inside the mountains in a canyon and we just let the kids lead. And sometimes, you know, there's up to like 12 kids and it's awesome. They're all kind of in this young kid age, age range. So, you know, from like two to five. And so it's so fun seeing these little tiny ones just running all over this canyon, like eating raspberries. And there's this one spot where um, it's kind of a sloped canyon and there's lots of like fallen rocks. And it's kind of this gradual going up and towards the end, it gets pretty steep. Um, and like I said, my daughters climb all the time. I'm very confident in their abilities because we do this so often. And so it's not uncommon for me to stand pretty far back. And Whitney will say, mama, can I go climb that? And I'm like, do you feel, will you feel safe up there? I can't come up and rescue you. You're going to have to figure out how to get down. I can yell and coach you, but do you feel safe doing that? And she's really good at gauging that. Cause she, like I said, she's been doing this since she was two. So she'll say, yep, I feel great take off her shoes and she'll run up there and I'll watch from afar. And because we are parents, we can tell when our kid needs help. Sometimes you can see their body posture change. And so of course I would go up there if she was struggling, but she was four years old and she was higher than most of the kids. Wow. Um, and there was one other kiddo who also, I think just naturally is very like adventurous, but so this other, I think he's five or six. Um, he sees Whitney and his little natural inclination, which is so sweet, but I also think it says something about our gender norms is he goes up to Whitney a little bit higher than her and says, let me hold your hand so I can help you. Oh. So this little boy, and it's good intention, sure. right? So he wants to help this little girl. But I think even at this young age, we're saying girls aren't capable. We're saying, why don't you help them? Why don't you? And so we teach boys to help girls. How do we teach boys to empower girls? Hmm. To say, come on, you got this too. I feel like we're easy to say, why don't you go hold her hand? Why don't you go make her feel better? How about to lift up girls, you know, lift up their peers? And so Whitney being a sweet girl, let him hold her hand. Oh. And so, and I, I didn't want to discourage that, but I wanted to, so when she got down, I was like, Whitney, did you want to hold his hand? And she goes, no, but he said, he, oh. he said I could hold his hand. So I did. And I was like, that's fine. But know that you can say no, you can say, nope, I got this. I don't need help. Mm -hmm. And from now on, she's been saying that. I've been so proud to hear her say, even adults will be like, do you need help? She's like, no, I got it. So being able to self-advocate for herself at four or two to say, I, so it's almost normal for her for, to see people question what she's doing, but it's also normal for her to say, no, I'm confident in who I am and my capabilities and I've, I've got this. Yeah. Um, so I'm proud of her for being able to advocate for herself because we want women and girls to be able to do that too, yeah. to be able to say beyond some, what someone else's feels, what they can do and what they need matter. They're allowed to take up space. Mm -hmm. They're allowed to do these things that people might see as not feminine. And that's yeah. okay. They can stand by that unapologetically, no matter how it makes someone else feel. They can do these things. I love that. And with my girls, I have, have also tried to instill in them, hey, you can help out your guy friends. You can yeah. lead them. And, and I was really not raised that way. It was very much kind of this unfair um, pressure put on the guys, especially in the community of faith. Yeah. To be the leader, to be the strong one, to, to always, always be leading. And I, I think I thought that's what marriage is supposed to look like all the time. And, and that's just not fair. And I have learned that there, and I want to teach my girls, there are times when, when I can be the strong one for my husband. And we're grown adults. And you had the sweet example of little kids. But how empowering to, yeah, to be breaking out of that norm that girls have is the boys lead and, and to help that little boy break out of that too. Like, Hey, don't be afraid if there's a little girl that can climb higher than you. And she holds her hand out to you and says, let me help you. You know, yes. oh, we're teammates. That. And yeah, I love that. I think that's really important. And, and, and this is related to it, but I just, I really was, I really love the idea 
that even though your daughter is so young, that you're that she can learn to say no mm-hmm. and feel good about that and say, no, I've got this or no, I don't need that or no, I don't need to, just because that that's a powerful thing for anyone and any gender. But I think it is, it's easy sometimes for either temperament or whatever, just to feel a pressure of it's not appropriate or it's not good for me to say, no, I have to be agreeable or I have to, it's just a, it's a very empowering thing for her for the rest of her life too. Yeah. All of this is so empowering to our kids. And I just love how relatable it is to this fighting for their hearts like that, that is empowering to them, engage with our kids' hearts, no matter what the scenario is. Hey, we're going to press pause on this conversation right now and pick it up again in the next episode. I hope that today's sitting at the table with us has sparked some different thinking for you and maybe some different things for you to explore or even generate conversations with others around you around another table. But we welcome you to come back with us next episode as we'll pick this up then.